0: Welcome to Tomorrow's World! Armageddon means different things to different people. Some understand it to refer to a great war, usually involving nuclear weapons. Others think of it in broader terms such as a giant asteroid striking and devastating the earth. What each has in common is a belief in some kind of future cataclysmic event that will end life on this earth as we know it. But where does this term come from? And is it something that you should be concerned about? Many understand correctly that the term Armageddon comes from the Christian Bible, but relatively few have actually read what the Bible says regarding this word. The average person, even in Western nations where the Bible can be found in most homes, wouldn't even know where to find the word Armageddon in scripture. Still others would be surprised how little the Bible says about it. Did you know the word is used only once? Armageddon is a Greek word that comes from the Hebrew words har and Megiddo. Har meaning mountain or hill of Megiddo. Megiddo was an ancient city, the remains of which can be seen today on the south side of the plain of Ezreal, also known as the Valley of Jezreel, and the plain of Megiddo. This very large valley in modern day Israel has been the scene of many historic battles, and according to the Bible, we'll play a role in a future battle that will make all other wars pale in comparison. Note that I said, we'll play a role in, because the end time battle will not actually take place at Megiddo. Numerous motion pictures and books depict life after Armageddon as reverting back to the Stone Age. Albert Einstein famously put it, I know not with what weapons World War III will be fought but World War IV will be fought with sticks and stones. Is there going to be a literal battle of Armageddon? And if so, who will be the combatants? What will be the outcome? What are the implications for the world and for you as an individual and for your loved ones? I have some good news, so stay tuned as we explore After Armageddon. Welcome again to Tomorrow's World. On today's program we are going to see that there is good news after Armageddon, but first we must understand where this term comes from, why it is important to you, and why it is going to happen. Sadly before the good news we must first face the reality that there is plenty of bad news in our world, and it is going to get worse before it gets better. But be assured, it will eventually get better. The Bible is an amazing book filled with prophecies that have already come to pass, that are coming to pass right before our very eyes today, and that will come to pass in the future. For example, when we read in the 12th chapter of the book of Zechariah, it describes the state of the city of Jerusalem right now. And what an amazing prophecy! Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples. All who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces, though all the nations of the earth are gathered against it. From 135 AD until 1967, The Jews, referred to as Judah in this passage, did not control Jerusalem, but this scripture clearly predicted that there would come a time when Jerusalem would be a very troublesome place for the world, and the Jews would be there at that time. Further, that it would be so troublesome that all the nations of the earth will gather together against it. My friends, we are living at that very time. Jerusalem today is the home of three major religions, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. When Zechariah wrote his book around 500 B.C., there was only one. Christianity came along in the first century A.D., and Islam would not exist for another 600 years. It is here in Jerusalem that Abraham was sent to offer up his son Isaac. The Christ was crucified, and that Muslims believe Muhammad made a miraculous night journey into heaven. The one thing that all three of these religions agree upon is that Abraham was tested by God to see whether he would put his son before God. He was instructed to travel to Mount Moriah to offer him in sacrifice. God later prevented him from doing so once he knew that Abraham would put him, that is God, first. The Bible teaching is that the son that Abraham was to offer was named Isaac. Muslims believe that it was Abraham's other son, Ishmael, that was to be sacrificed. But all agree that the location of Mount Moriah is known as the Temple Mount and is today where you will find the Islamic Dome of the Rock and the Alaksa Mosque. This was also the location of the Jewish temples built by Solomon and Zerubbabel. And this sacred ground is not far from where Christ was crucified. I think you can see the problem here. But there is a further problem, and that is the sins of mankind in general. Arabs and Jews are not the only ones who can't get along. Christians have fought Christians down through the centuries in some of the bloodiest wars on record. Even today, Muslims are killing Muslims. Other wars go on today as tribe fights tribe in parts of Asia and Africa, yet fighting and killing only scratches the surface of man's treachery. God gave mankind a law to teach us right from wrong. He said we are to show honor to our parents, that we should not commit murder, adultery, or theft. Yet today children are grossly disrespectful of parents. Murder is rampant in some parts of the world, and infidelity and adultery are on the rise almost everywhere. Most of us have been victims of theft, whether someone has broken into our home or car, or whether it is being cheated in business, and we all pay higher prices due to shoplifting, which means someone has stolen from you. While some think they are getting away with it, whether it is dishonoring parents, committing murder, adultery, or theft, There is a God in heaven who sees and who takes notice. To an ancient Israel, he declared, Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, and walk after other gods whom you do not know? And then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered to do all these abominations? Yes, God takes notice of our behavior. And the violation of his laws is called sin. Sin brings heartache and suffering to his creation, and this is why he hates sin so much. It is sin that brings about wars, broken homes, children wondering who their fathers are, and ignorance and confusion about God's plan for mankind. Some people think of God as an old man who is so full of love that. He'll tolerate just about anything. Now, Yes, He is full of love, and that is why He won't tolerate bad behavior forever. Instead, He will punish bad behavior to encourage good behavior. The prophet Isaiah described God's punishment, I will punish the world for its evil, and the wicked for their iniquity, I will halt the arrogance of the proud, and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. Therefore, I will shake the heavens, and the earth will move out of her place, and the wrath of the Lord of hosts, and the day of his fierce anger. The Bible tells us that we are going to get ourselves into so much trouble that all life would be extinguished from the earth except for God's intervention. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved, meaning saved alive. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. This is when God will step in to save the earth. One would think that we would appreciate that intervention, but such is not the case. There is a spirit being known as the devil and Satan who has so deceived us that we will actually fight Jesus Christ when He returns to save us from our own folly. And here is where Armageddon comes in. Revelation, the 16th chapter, describes a time in the future when unclean spirits will possess a charismatic religious figure and a powerful political figure who will, by means of miraculous powers, Influence the rulers of the earth to gather them together to fight Christ at his return. And where are they gathered together? Let's read it in Revelation, the 16th chapter. For they are spirits of demons, performing signs, which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew. Armageddon. Notice that the name of the battle is the Battle of that Great Day of God Almighty. Here is the only use of the word Armageddon in the scripture, and it refers only to the location where the armies gathered together before going up to Jerusalem. Now, before we get to the good news after Armageddon, let's notice the outcome of this great battle. In Zechariah the 14th chapter, it describes the day of the Lord, that is, the time of God's wrath. In all, the day of the Lord lasts for a period of one year, but Zechariah brings us to the conclusion of that time. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, for I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, and the women ravished. Half of the city shall go into captivity. Note that Jerusalem today is a divided city, the greater part being Jewish, both an increasing population of Arabs and other non-Jewish inhabitants. Since the latter are having more children, it is only a matter of time before there is an equal number of Jews and non-Jews, and it is clearly the Jewish side of the coin that will be considered the enemy of these nations. This is when God will intervene. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations, and in that day His feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall split in two, from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north, and half of it toward the south. And note, the Lord shall be king over all the earth. This horrendous battle will be no real contest as puny man will not be able to defeat his creator. And this shall be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the people who fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet. Their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets and their tongues shall dissolve in their mouth. On the surface we might view this as bad news. It certainly is not pleasant to contemplate, and it is sad that our world is going to come to this. But what follows is the best news that we could ever imagine. In fact, most people would consider it impossible. Genuine, lasting peace. A peace that goes beyond the mere cessation of war. But before that comes to pass, two things must happen. If you would like to discover more about how this topic impacts your life, visit us online at www.lcgcanada.org to read our featured literature free of charge. Throughout man's history, there has been a spirit being who broadcasts attitudes of pride, self will, destructive tendencies, and perversion. This is the major reason why the world is in such a mess and why it is only getting worse. This spirit being, known as the devil or Satan, is directing the course of this world. And you He made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. When we understand the reality of this wicked spirit and His presence in the world, we can understand some of the source of evil thoughts entering our minds. We can understand why, in spite of man's best intentions, we cannot find the way to peace. Only after Satan is removed will there be peace, and that is exactly what the Bible tells us is going to happen. The removal of Satan is the first thing that must happen for us to have peace, but there is something else that is needed. We are told in the Bible that man simply does not know the way to peace. In short, mankind must be taught a better way, and that is exactly what the Bible reveals is going to happen. After Christ's return, He will command the nations to send representatives up to Jerusalem To keep the biblical Feast of Tabernacles. We read earlier that Jesus is coming back to be king over all the earth and that he will defeat the nations who fight against him. We saw that in Zechariah the 14th chapter. But while many Christians believe in the second coming of Christ, here is something that few realize. Rather than me telling you, let's read it straight from the Bible in Zechariah the 14th chapter. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. As we can see from these verses, not all nations will want to submit to Jesus Christ when he returns. But after a few years of no rain and after seeing the abundant blessings that come on nations that do send representatives up to Jerusalem, they'll eventually come around. And this is where we begin to see the good news beyond Armageddon. Notice this beautiful prophecy of what will begin to happen after Christ's return. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow to it. He shall judge between many peoples, and rebuke strong nations afar off. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Similar words are used in Isaiah the second chapter where it also speaks of a time of peace to come. Now I know, my friends, that such a time seems impossible, but if we truly believe in the God of creation, and when we see the accuracy of other biblical predictions, why should we doubt that God is able to do what man cannot do, and that is bring peace to this troubled world? The prophecy goes on to show the principle of private ownership of property, Something that most people yearn for and something that helps bring stability to society. But everyone shall sit under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. Many people in today's world suffer from blindness, deafness, and crippling diseases. But God tells us in His Word that after Armageddon, He will heal these terrible afflictions. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing. Much of the earth is desert or semi desert, and it lacks moisture to sustain human life. But the one who controls the weather tells us through his prophet that deserts are going to be turned into beautiful gardens. The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of jackals where each lay, there shall be grass with reeds and rushes. Can you imagine, my friends, the Gobi Desert and the Sahara Desert bursting forth with vegetation? This program is titled Tomorrow's World for a Reason. Near the opening of this program, we always show a contrast between today's world and the world after Armageddon. Instead of pollution, we will have clean water. Man will learn to mine the earth and build industries based on care for our environment. And when Christ returns, He will deal with those who carelessly destroy the earth because of human greed. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Yes, Christ is going to come back and stop the destruction of the earth and stop mankind's madness. His return will usher in a new age of prosperity and peace. He will heal the sick and teach mankind the laws that govern good health. Many of these laws can even now be found in the Bible but men pay little attention to them. We are told in the scriptures that this rule of Christ will last a thousand years. At Christ's return those who have been faithful to Him during this lifetime will be resurrected to eternal life, but not to some form of eternal retirement. How empty and boring that would be! No, God's servants are called to rule with Christ on this earth as kings and priests, rulers and teachers. In today's world, rulers are often chosen by popular vote, by strong-armed men and women who gain and maintain power by corrupt mean. The great Chinese philosopher Confucius recognized the damage this poses to society, and he suggested rulers and civil servants should be chosen based on qualifications and fitness to rule. And that is exactly what Jesus Christ is in the process of doing. He is developing godly character in those chosen today who choose his better way of life. Paul explains this in Philippians the second chapter. "Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Just as Jesus came to serve mankind, so we are to develop the same servant attitude. As He instructed His apostles, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant, and whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Those true followers of Jesus Christ who learn to have this attitude today will be leaders after Armageddon, when he becomes ruler of the earth. And those of you watching this program who understand these things and respond to this knowledge, Are being given an opportunity to be one of those rulers. However, as Jesus also said earlier in this same chapter, for many are called, but few chosen. He also gave a parable in which a man came to a king's wedding without a proper wedding garment. This was a parable about those who would be invited into the kingdom of God to rule with Christ at his coming. This man thought he could come just as he was. Without properly preparing for the kingdom. What was Christ's response? Bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. For those who do properly prepare themselves, there will be a glorious future helping mankind learn the way of peace and harmony for a thousand years but this is not the whole story. Time does not allow me to fill in all the details, so we'll have to wait for a later program to do so. If you would like to learn more about the world after Armageddon, go to our website, which will be shown momentarily, where you can read our informative booklet, Armageddon and Beyond. And be sure to come back next week at the same time and station when we will bring you more good news about tomorrow's world, the time after Armageddon, and how you can have a part in the rule of Jesus Christ when the world will be taught how to live in peace and harmony. See you next week right here at the same time. Until then, goodbye friends! If you would like to discover more about how this topic impacts your life, Visit us online at www.lcgcanada.org to read our featured literature free of charge. The preceding program has been produced by the Living Church of God.